BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Massimella Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure and an honor to have with us, as always. We try to observe this holiday differently from some others and some have criticized me that, that for over the years but I just can't get away from uh, the reality of this so-called holiday for the indigenous people uh, it is a national day of mourning uh, what we've not had the privilege of doing over the years yet and I'm fortunate to have found them uh, is an organization that represents indigenous people in the place where the fairy tale allegedly happened uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, and we want to hear all about it. I, I, I know as people have their family celebrations, no one's against family. But even as you do that, try your best to remember those families um, that were separated. In fact, that were slaughtered hundreds of years ago in a false story that started uh, this whole so-called holiday. Again, the indigenous people call it National Day of Mourning. I've always liked to call it also Thanksgiving, because that's what it was. It was a taking. And so we are happy to have with us um, from the North American Indian Center in Boston. He's a director there. He's also a member of the United American Indians of New England. Jean-Luc Perit joins us here on Make It Plain. Thank you for joining us, brother. Thank you, Reverend, for having me. It's an honor indeed. So talk to us about um, what you all do normally on this Thursday um, and how you recognize the National Day of Mourning. Yes, um, so this is gonna be the 52nd um, annual uh, National Day of Mourning. 
we have a rally on Coles Hill um, in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which overlooks uh, Plymouth Rock. Uh, from that point, we march all the way around uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts, um, through through the town square, past uh, the memorial marker to Paul Metacomet, uh, the uh, Wampanoag chief who led a war of resistance almost uh, 346 years ago uh, this year. Uh, and then, of course, we end up at, at Plymouth Rock. And what we do is we have uh, indigenous peoples from all across the Americas come out and uh, speak their truth uh, on, on that day, on this day. So uh, we're very happy to have, uh, once again, another uh, very powerful observance, um, especially at this critical time for all of us. Indeed, indeed. So I know that um, we're not supposed to be teaching uh, critical race theory these days <laughs> or history, period. But Jean-Luc, talk to audience, if you would, please, a, a, a little bit about the, the real history of what happened. We, we rarely get a full picture of it. But from your uh, perspective and your organization's uh, perspective, talk to us about what, what really happened at, in, in Plymouth. Yes, Reverend, and it's not just about what happened, uh, but is what's happening. Uh, from the from the moment that the pilgrims landed, um, actually there was already a slave trade uh, a, that was affecting North America. Uh, indigenous peoples were sent back to Europe uh, and sold at 220 shillings a piece uh, into slavery. And also there were uh, many of our cultural resources, our natural resources, that were extracted from the peoples. And so what's critical about uh, recognizing uh, this day is not just talking about all of the things that were done to the indigenous peoples, but how that actually ties back uh, to the impacts that our community faces today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, sold, captured, enslaved. But then at a point, they arrived in Plymouth. Um, and we're talking, we're in the midst of a pandemic now. One of the things they did was bring their own diseases with them, didn't they? Yes, they did, and it's um, you know that a lot of a lot of the history that gets taught about uh, about what happened here in New England it actually uh, places epidemics and pandemics uh, before contact, uh, which sort of like helps to wash the hands of the colonizers who did bring those uh, diseases to these shores in a form of uh, biological warfare. Um, this is something that, that has happened at all points of contact. Uh, for my own tribe specifically, uh, we are the Tunica Biloxi tribe of uh, Louisiana, and we were first contacted by the Spanish in uh, 1541. Uh, so it's very critical to actually talk about like all of these points of contact, uh, not just about the pilgrims in uh, 1620, uh, but also Christopher Columbus in 1492, uh, Hernando de Soto in, in 1541. All of these points of harm that has happened to us. Yeah, the the tribe or the group of indigenous people uh, in the Massachusetts area that that had that contact. Am I correct? The the Wampanoag. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Is that accurate? That's correct. And you know, last year we actually uh, there was an observance of the 400th anniversary of the landing of the Mayflower. Uh, and I just want to be very clear that there's nothing remarkable about people uh, sailing a ship across the Atlantic and landing on these shores. Uh, what is actually a little bit more remarkable is that 400 years ago this year, 
1621, uh, there was the signing of the first treaty uh, between Massasoit and, and those pilgrims, uh, which started the government-to-government -government, uh, relationship between uh, the indigenous peoples and what would become the nation-state of the United States. Uh, and so another message that we're trying to get across this uh, uh, National Day of Mourning is that it is, uh, in, um, it is an obligation to these nation-states, it is an obligation to the United States to honor the rights of indigenous peoples and honor the treaties. And Massasoit was the tribal leader, leader correct? Yes, as a matter of fact, um, according to uh, Philip Deloria, a native scholar, uh, Massasoit is actually a, a title. Uh, the The actual name of the chief is Amsumikwin. Uh, um, and so we actually have to kind of like, again, we have to like, when we're talking about history, when we're talking about uh, people's identities, we have to kind of celebrate and uplift all of who we are. Right, right. Um, and, and folks, for, for those of you who have a little trouble getting it at home, I, I hope you heard that title, Massasoit. Where do you think the name Massachusetts came from? Right. I mean, so we have to keep a lot of these folks look around you. A lot of the ge geographical locations in which we live in this country uh, have uh, indigenous names and indigenous references. Don't uh, don't forget that. That's that's correct. That's correct. And I just wanted to kind of uplift that while uh, while history for us, you know, we're very rarely, you know, recognized uh, for the people that we are. Uh, the names that we've had uh, historically, you know, the names of, of places do remain intact because th those were sort of like the key targets. Those were the things that, you know, we're going to make sure that those identities remain intact because that's what's of value to the colonizers here. And as far as as far as the name Massachusetts, we do have uh, in North American Indian Center, Boston, we are on uh, the traditional indigenous territory of the Massachusetts nation who continue to this day in part through their lineal descendants, the Massachusetts tribe at Ponkapog. Uh, back 1861, we had 16 tribes uh, within the borders of Massachusetts. Uh, and to this day, they've actually, uh, you know, by the federal government, they've uh, been diminished to two recognized tribes. However, all of those people, all of their living descendants uh, still continue to this day, regardless of recognition status by the federal government. More MIP after this message. And when you say continue to this day, talk to us a little bit about um, the status of these tribes, I, I guess, socioeconomically and otherwise, because we know that there's still a great level of, of discrimination going on. How are some of these tribes doing? And, and, and yours even, for that matter, since you mentioned Louisiana. I mean, are, yeah. are, are people thriving or what? Yeah, and especially especially in Louisiana. I mean, um, it's something that is kind of a, a nationwide issue is that many of our uh, tribes that are state or non-recognized are on coastal areas uh, and they are mostly impacted by climate change. And yet uh, the accessibility of resources to recover are, are not so much because of that lack of federal recognition status. And then when you come here to Massachusetts, all of the decisions that get made about public lands, about private development, it was very rare that uh, tribes actually get full consultation. Uh, and that's one thing that we're, that we're trying to push for among tribal governments, among NACOP, among uh, UAN. You know, we need to make sure that there is a free prior and informed consent from all indigenous nations 
uh, regardless of what happens uh, within the borders uh, of the United States. Yeah, no, that, that's important. And, and that those tribes have resources. I can imagine we, we did talk about the pandemic, but I mean, e- even issues of, of health and health care, those are of, of great import, aren't they? Yes. Um, and it, it actually was kind of a, it was a really hard fought battle uh, for North American Indian Center Boston, because uh, from the beginning of the pandemic up until December 30th of last year, uh, American Indians, Alaska Natives were not disaggregated within the data. We were actually placed within an other category. Um, and so that actually led us uh, to have a lack of uh, quantitative data. We had the qualitative data. We had the stories from the families that were coming into the center and telling us uh, the disproportionate impacts. Uh, but when it came time to actually go to funders uh, and state agencies who should have been keeping track of everybody, uh, you know, we lacked uh, that, that quantitative data. Uh, so it, it has been a hard fought battle uh, to get uh, natives counted. Uh, within within pandemic, but I will I will also add uh, that we did a very intensive push for the census, um, and so when you talk about American Indians, Alaska Natives uh, mixed with one or more races here within Massachusetts, formerly we were at thirty five to fifty thousand. Now, as of the twenty twenty census, we are at ninety four thousand strong. So American Indians across uh, the United States have actually seen a population increase mm. of over 80%. So mm. we're very, very, very proud of that. Um, so it's not, all, it's not all gloom and doom, um, but we do need uh, to have an affirmation of our traditional knowledge so that we can combat all of what uh, is affecting the world today. And, and speaking of that, you know, I've had Native guests on the show over the years, and uh, several years ago, a, a few of them educated me, at least this group did, they never really liked the word genocide um, because y'all still here. And and it kind of gives a, a notion that there aren't any more left. But as you just reported to us, the population is actually growing. That's correct. I mean, we always have we always have to fight back against uh, historicizing of our peoples. You know, as I said, it's not what happened to us. It is what is happening to us. Uh, but it is also about how our existence is our resistance. Uh, it is about the resilience of our communities. Uh, and it's about every uh, way that we are able to uh, grow and thrive, not just survive. Indeed. Is, is the Biden administration um, provided any hope in terms of the indigenous population in this country? I know Deb Holland is in the administration and I know she's very welcome. Are they making a difference? It's a, it's a mixed bag. You know, we had, um, we do have Senator, uh, we have, do have Secretary Deb Holland as our first native woman, Secretary of the Interior. Uh, we do have on the federal level, a recognition of Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, but even with that uh, victory, he actually uh, observed it alongside Christopher Columbus Day, which is sort of anathema uh, to what we're actually putting out there. Uh, we, we actually want to uplift uh, the true history of, of these lands and not just uh, continue um, to perpetu- you know, perpetuate all of this mythology that comes with Christopher Columbus Day. And also, you know, after coming back from COP26, our President Biden uh, actually uh, let 
auctioned off, you know, scheduled the auction of over 80 million acres of the Gulf of Mexico, not just uh, not just affecting my own homelands back home in Louisiana, but those superstorms actually will be able to carve a path through the United States and affect the Northeast, uh, the Midwest and, and so forth. So this is devastating consequences, not just for indigenous peoples, but for all people. So we we're trying to push uh, President Biden to do better. More MIP after this message. Help my audience, too, because it's always important for people to be enlightened in terms of how you should be referred to. Now, you're the director of North American Indian Center. You're part of the United American Indians of New England. Some have been made to believe that Indian, that term is pejorative. Um, but t- talk to us about that. Enlighten us. Because I know people are going to ask me now, well, Mark, should we still say Indian or American Indian or Native American or indigenous? As you notice, I, I often like to say indigenous. But in- enlighten us as to the-, 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 the proper and the most respectful form of reference. Yeah. And, you know, Indian is actually something that is codified within federal uh, federal law, whether it's in the United States or whether it's in Canada. We call ourselves, uh, my organization has called itself uh, the North American Indian Center of Boston because we provide services not just for American Indians within the United States, uh, but those uh, First Nations peoples from Canada that come down under uh, Jay's Treaty to live and work here in Massachusetts. Internationally, we have a set of people known as indigenous. And that doesn't just mean uh, Native Americans or even indigenous peoples to the Americas. We're talking about the Maori. We're talking about uh, indigenous peoples in Indonesia. Even Norway has the has a Sami. But in each of these cases, you have peoples uh, who have uh, claims to land um, that and are in constant conflict with those nation states, such as such as the United States. Uh, so you know when it comes down to it, um, you know as far as like personal identification. You know, we always kind of emphasize that it's about relationships. You should, you know, of course, you you know me as Jean-Luc Curie. Uh, but then when you get deeper into the weeds about, you know, where, who are your people? Where, where are you from? You know, I can tell you, I'm a member of the Tunica Biloxi tribe of Louisiana. That is my, that is my indigenous nationality. So I can, you know, definitely say that it's always, preferable to form those relationships and refer to people by their own tribes. Yeah, yeah, that is ideal. Uh, Thank you for that. I I did a a show a a little over a month ago when it was big news about the enormous number of Native American women who are missing or murdered. Um, I'm sure that's something that is of great concern to you as well. Um, Is there any um, new information or, or updated information about how that crisis is being handled? Well, we need a, um, we do need a uh, reinstatement of the Violence Against Women Act um, to help to reaffirm the jurisdiction of, of tribal governments, uh, court systems, because we do have people that are going on tribal lands and, um, and causing harm to our women. Also, we need to stop all of these um, all of these extractive pipelines because with the pipelines uh, come the man camps, and there are more cases of uh, missing, murdered Indigenous women, girls, Two Spirit people. You know, again, we we get into this issue where we have a lot of qualitative data, 
Uh, but when it comes to the reports from our governments and what is actually happening with our with our community, we have a, a, we still have the issue of like underreporting or not reporting at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah. definitely, we we need uh, we have a lot of headway to make. And as as we observe in in, in our experience as African Americans, um, the disproportionate amount of of contact with police and police violence that happens in your community as well doesn't it yes as a matter of fact um march 5th of last year uh was the 250th anniversary of the murder of christmas atooks uh, he was a black and indigenous man commonly known as one of the first casualties in the american revolution uh we got together with uh black organizations here in boston namely uh, New Democracy Coalition, uh, to form an observance of that and to mark all of the community members that we had lost over the, uh, over the previous year. Little did we know uh, that we would again, you know, have that resurgence uh, after, the, after the murder of George Floyd. Yeah. Uh, and so it is, it's, it's a constant issue. Yeah. Lastly, as people are spending this day in whatever way they choose, many obviously with family. Uh, I always appeal to people to, to think about all of our families, including our, our Native American Indian families. But in your own words, as we close, um, what would you ask of people on this National Day of Mourning, uh, Brother Jean-Luc? What would you ask them to do specifically? How can they um, do whatever they plan to do with their families, but at the same time, um, observe the National Day of Mourning? You know, a lot of it is about being thankful for the blessings that, that we have. Um, and of course, as, as you know, fellow humans, um, that's undeniable. Uh, but when it comes to actually talking about having a deeper dive into the impacts and what does it mean uh, for Native Americans to have this National Day of Mourning, it's also a time for reflection. Uh, for our non, uh, for our allies, for our non-indigenous peoples, to actually understand how they benefit off of uh, systems of colonialism and white supremacy, um, and so yes, be thankful, but also understand that the privilege, uh, the benefits that that come all of with uh, that come all of with uh, all of those blessings that we're thankful for, someone has had to pay for that, yeah. um, and it has always been. Uh, black and indigenous peoples who have paid with their lives, uh, their labor, their land, and their natural resources. Indeed. Um, we are very thankful to uh, have you with us. Uh, uh, my brother, again, folks, he is the uh, director of the North American Indian Center of Boston, also a part of the United American Indians of New England, Jean-Luc Perit. Uh, brother, um, I pray that this National Day of Mourning is as spiritual and as meaningful as it always has been. 50, 52 years, folks. And um, I pray that all of us keep in mind that it is not just a, a Thanksgiving celebration for those of us who do that with our families and eat the turkey and all of that. Uh, let's deal with the real history, folks, and let's observe this national day of mourning in the way that brother jean-luc has asked us to my brother thank you okay to coach reverend thank you for having me on all right thank you thanks for getting woke and listening to make it plain 
Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.